Okay, cool. We're live today. I'm joined by James Byrne, who is the founder of Fairly, which is an online destination for sustainable living. James, welcome. Really excited to have you here. Why don't you give us a background into who you are and how you got started with Fairly? Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Leah. Thanks for having me. Um, well, as you said, I'm James. Myself and my husband founded Fairly just over a year ago, 13 months ago. Um, and since then, I've left my job to work full time in the business. So we're, as you said, an online sustainable store. So we sell everything, handmade, Irish, eco-friendly, things from sort of small Irish makers uh, in the main and also some independent brands from Ireland and outside of Ireland. And we set up the business. I had been working in a large um, company here in Ireland for about the last 10 years, working in the e-commerce space. So fancy to change. We had been working at home here because of lockdown really liked working at home uh, didn't mind giving up the commute. So we said, look, it's as good a time as any to try a change. And we set up 13 months ago and so far we have been going really well and um, we've been really busy. We've been really happy with it. Not always easy, but uh, it's been it's been a bit of an adventure over the last year or so. Amazing. How important is that like patriotic side of because I've worked with Irish companies before and there seems to be a lot of emphasis on supporting local Irish businesses much more so in my experience than people in the UK. Is that like a general sentiment within the country to support other local businesses? Yes, yes and no. So I would say yes, it's a, it's a huge sentiment here. People feel very passionately about it. There is a bit of a, uh, I suppose, a disconnect between the stated um, support and then the actual sales figures. So while people love supporting Irish here in Ireland, we still have 70% of our online sales go outside of Ireland. And mm. I guess a certain amount of that is inevitable. We're a small island in a big world. Um, and, you know, we sell st we sell products from outside of Ireland. So, you know, I don't think it's, there's anything wrong with it. We don't, have a, we don't have a problem with it. But it has become stronger and stronger here over the last few years to support Irish. And particularly, I would have said last year when we were in the height of COVID lockdown restrictions, there was a huge public um, outpouring of support, I guess, for small businesses, local businesses. People were, you know, people were being very directly affected by it in every in every um, facet of life. So there was huge support. There was huge media support. We had TV specials. We had we had a campaign that started. It actually started before last year, but it came into its own last year called Champion Green here, um, which was led by the Kilkenny Group and Retail Excellence Ireland and a few other organisations here and. That was about supporting green, Irish, local. So not at the expense of anything else, but you know, if you're if you can buy the same thing here, have it shipped locally, why not do that instead of flying it in or, or shipping it in? So I, I would say it's bigger than in other countries, or certainly in my experience, bigger than other countries. And it's definitely been a positive factor for us. We set up, you know, in lockdown. People wanted to shop local and it's kind of um core to what we do. We sell a lot of products from small Irish makers, and a lot of them sell themselves as well online. But with with the limited product range that they make, I suppose we allow them access to a bigger customer um, base, and we also allow our customers then to shop for multiple Irish makers all in the one in the one transaction basket. So it's kind of a win win. Um, so yeah, hopefully this is going to be another year of of supporting Green here. Awesome, sounds great. I got sort of a couple of questions in one now um so in 13 months it sounds like you you've came really far i know you're still a small business but it's based on you know what we were talking about before and and i know e-commerce can be a slog these days to get started it, it's very very tough business it's not the gold rush everyone thinks it, it is 
So there's two sides to this question. Like you mentioned, you've got previous backgrounds in e-commerce and retail. How has that helped you? And secondly, what was your initial strategy to drive traffic to the store? Because this is always you know, the main challenge in the beginning of any new e-commerce business. Sure. Well, I guess, look, my experience has to have helped me uh, in that I have been working in some way in e-commerce over the last nearly 20 years. Um, a lot of time not exclusively in e-commerce, so working in, in retail where e-commerce was one of our channels. So I would say in one sense, that's been a big help because things like, you know, terminology in terms of digital marketing, like SEO or PPC and all are, are all familiar to me. The, the nuts and bolts of running an online shop and running a business have been familiar to me. So that's definitely helped. What I would say it's a lot of the, a lot of the online platforms now are massive levelers that the, the value of that kind of deep domain knowledge is diminishing a little bit over time. So I wouldn't let it put anybody off for sure. Maybe in my sector, but any other sector, I wouldn't let it put, put anyone off because, <laughs> um, you know, with the likes of say Shopify, my experience in, in recent years has been in kind of enterprise level e-commerce platforms, which are super, yeah. they are powerful. They can do almost anything you want them to do, but they require a, a big capital investment and they require a big team of specialist developers and people like that in the background to make it work. And I would say for the likes of me in Fairly as a, I'd say even smaller than a small business, right? We're still in the micro phase, you know, we took on our first employees two weeks ago. Um, so we're still very small, but with the with platforms like Shopify, we've been able to get up and running and okay, while we mightn't be absolute top of the market in everything that we do, we're able to offer an online experience that's, I believe, as good as what any of the big brands can offer for the most part. And what we can't do maybe in terms of some functionality we can shore up in terms of the kind of personal operational service that we can give. So, so I would say it's, it's mixed. I would say, yes, the experience has helped me a lot, but I definitely wouldn't let it put anybody off now because whether it's digital marketing platform or an e-commerce platform or looking at a YouTube video to tell you how to do something, I think it's not as hard. You don't need to be as much of a specialist as you did one time, even though, a recruiter wouldn't agree with me on that because you, you cannot hire e-commerce people at the moment. And maybe because we're boxing people into that box of you must be an e-commerce person with e-commerce experience. Interesting. The second part to your question, Adam, what was that? <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's, that's actually great to get that context. Um, so you obviously had some understanding, well, a strong understanding of fundamentals. That's a long time considering it's still a, a new field. So how were you able to pull the traffic levers? What type of go-to-market strategies did you have for that? Well, I suppose in the short term, I'd love to say, or in the, in, in the initial launch, I'd love to say we had a huge strategy in terms of driving um, traffic, but really we set up the business um, initially with the intention of it being sort of a part-time affair, almost like a hobby business initially. We'll set it up, we'll get the work done, we're at home, we have all this time, we can't socialize at the moment, so let's utilize this time to build this thing, this, or to scratch this itch that we've had and to build this thing that's been on our mind. And really, I didn't expect it to get as big and as busy so fast. I didn't expect to leave my um, employment as fast as I did. So I, I was really lucky. My employer were super supportive. I was able to go initially to a part time in my in the role I was in and then go on a kind of a consultancy basis on a few days a week and gradually transition out of the business. So I was really lucky I had that support and I had that soft landing and we could build it up. So. As I mentioned earlier, there was huge support in the media last year. Um, 
around about supporting Irish and we were able to tap into that. So we got some really good local um, coverage. We got a lot of national coverage. We got national radio, all these things that really helped us. It was free coverage for us and it really helped us. But the big one for us, and I suppose the focus for us in terms of channels has from the beginning been kind of PPC and SEO, not necessarily because we feel they're the only channels or they're the only channels we're going to focus on. But I felt that PPC was something we could turn on immediately. And that's what we did. So from day one, we turned on PPC and SEO was about growing our product catalog and growing, I guess, our domain authority. And I felt there's no point in delaying that work because we mightn't see the benefit of it for, you know, months or years. So we wanted to start that from the beginning. So from the beginning, they're the two channels that we focused on. Um, and look, PPC has been great for us. It has, it has brought us, it has gotten us a lot of customers quickly. And while COVID volumes, right, we're all still in what would have been considered Black Friday volumes not so long ago. And now there are normal monthly volumes or, uh, you know, close to them. Um, the retention of those customers is the important thing. So we wanted to get as many people, I guess, through the door as possible, having some confidence that we would have strong retention. Um, you know, if nothing else by having really good customer service. So our, our reviews are really good. It's probably the thing that keeps us up at night if they're not and touch wood so far they haven't been. So we feel if we can if we can get them through the door and through the till, we have a really good chance of getting them back again. And the other channels, I guess we can focus on better later. I'm gonna let Leah take over and once I realise I'm hogging the <laughs> No, it's fine. You ask the technical questions and I'll ask the um I'll ask the other ones. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna let Leah come on to the positioning, but one final point I wanted to um speak to you about. You mentioned SEO there. So we're sort of seeing like a bit of a resurgence in SEO, I would say, where because paid traffic sources were so cost effective for so long. A lot of people sort of said, like, ah, I don't want to waste time with SEO anymore. You know, it, it's too much of an invest long-term play. Like, there's no guarantee of investment. And also, they have that perception where it takes a really long time to see a return. It seems like you were able to maybe not necessarily hit the ground running, but you've got some fast results with it. What type of strategies have you used? Well, I guess having it in our mind from the beginning, like, I... I love SEO. Like I'm not maybe the most technical SEO expert in the world, but I, I love the principles of it. I love the wins. I think it's very motivational when you're kind of, you can say like, I'm starting here, I want to get here, and you can kind of see yourself edging ever closer. Um, and you can really benchmark yourself. It's one of the areas I think you can benchmark yourself really well against your competitors and the competitive space and kind of know what, what it's possible to do. So in terms of strategies, I guess from the beginning, it was a big strategy for us. I would I would always be a strong believer, and it's not my expression, I don't know who came up with it, is to you know not build your empire on, on borrowed ground. And things like PPC and social are by definition borrowed ground because I think that Google have a have a new update today. So, you know, that could change our, our landscape tomorrow. All, all the, the the returns from the likes of PPC are so much less than what they were even say a year ago. But for me, SEO has a real long-term value, even though it can fluctuate. So our strategy from the beginning was to identify, I guess, what we could do. So one big part was expanding our product range because every time we add a new product, we're, we're obviously adding a new page of content to the site. We're add, adding new copy, we're adding new imagery, we're adding all these opportunities to um, improve our SEO, improve the size and the scale of the website, the footprint, 
the freshness of the content. So we add, even though it nearly kills us sometimes, we add new product all the time and we have 10 times as much product available on the site as we did when we launched. Um, that's one area. The other area is in, in media, so PR. We would have been quite focused on PR value. So I guess if if we get PR in a in a national newspaper, I'm happy. If we get, you know, PR with a clickable link in a less important national newspaper, I'm usually happier. And we try to get that spread because while the while the coverage, you know, in a magazine or a newspaper will give you will give you that instant boost, which is great. It will give you brand value, which is also great that kind of clickable link will give you that long-term SEO benefit and you'll get the you'll get the reward from that for a long time to come. So things like that. We weren't we were focused on a breadth of media. We were focused on look little things. Like for me, I, I it amazes me sometimes people don't chase down the little wins. So things yeah. like getting on getting on stockist locators, you know? So like I have our our suppliers driven mad asking to get onto their stock and uh, getting onto their stockists um locator some of them mightn't have been updated in a long time and we get in we get the links and you know there's a cumulative effect and a benefit the more of that that you get we do a lot of things like testimonials and um, we have our site is one of the showcase sites for our team developer on the shopify platform which is super which is great but really the win for us in that is we get all that good Google juice, I suppose, that's coming from the Shopify domain as well, um, which is one of the top domains in, in, in the world. So all those little things, incremental wins, like doing the site correct from the beginning in terms of structure, taking advantage of the Shopify ecosystem and having the likes of apps. We, we use um, Crush.io, I think, um, where we can, you know, rename all of our images with good um, um good naming conventions that include say the category the product name the brand without us having to manually like I, i've had plenty of projects in my past where we're trying to do that manually and you might do the initial load for the initial build of the project to a high standard and then that standard um diminishes over time because you're putting up products and different people are working on it and you're doing it at short notice with the likes of the shopify apps that you can use that can all be done in a more of a dynamic way so I guess yeah things like that doing being strategic about certain things but really for me seo is well i i think we could be doing seo in a much more um advanced way for us at the moment the way we're doing it is working is working quite well for us get a few wins every week and every month and build on that and then maybe in a year's time we look at more advanced strategies super insightful especially considering me and leah are currently optimizing <laughs> sites at the moment um, with when he says me and Leah, he means me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's your job. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, I think there's certain, there's definitely certain things there. What you've touched on, which maybe we've not even thought about, Adam. So. Absolutely. I think SEO freaks people out. To be honest, I think mm. it looks very technical. It looks very hard. And I don't like I, 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 I ignore some of that aspect of it. I think I think there's enough to be doing on the stuff that's easier to understand personally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Does, welcome with, sorry, Leah, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think with SEO, sometimes there's a lot of information and it's sometimes making sense of what's in front of you and being like, OK, there's a lot of words here. Let's yeah. like filter through it and do it. And I think when you love sticky notes and being organized like myself, it's something that can be really, really exciting. <laughs> I think so. And I, I do think like you look at things, people are talking of schemas and 
you're looking at words like that and canonical and it can sometimes feel a bit dense and you think oh yeah. god this is almost like developer language and i just yeah stay away from it that's um, it it's it's sort of um i think people have made it too overwhelming over the years and actually we're working with a lady at the moment called sylvia and i like how she simplifies it into like a trifactor of like clean code good architecture on the website and basically good quality content with backlinks is um, yeah. the key to good ranking and i mean we, we've definitely sort of structured our architecture a little bit the wrong way around so we're working on that at the moment but yeah incremental gains as you said every day <laughs> um moving swiftly on from okay. the technical language um like i said before i wanted to ask you so much about recycling and things like that so as a sustainable eco-conscious brand which aspect of business do you think is the hardest to be the most sustainable so that can be anything from packaging like advertising like being really aware of what you're doing which is which one's the hardest <laughs> well it's a, it's a tricky one right well I, packaging is not hard so i i don't know why people have such difficulty with with packaging but the being a business it is hard to be sustainable because they are a little bit at odds like you can't be a business without consuming so i think it's it's a bit misleading and it's a bit naive for a business to go out and say we're totally sustainable or you know we've no carbon footprint or we've offset all our carbon footprint because you know we are consuming and if we want to be a business and we want to like the most the most sustainable thing is to wind up your business you know yeah. and that's the most sustainable solution and, and that's not what we want to do we wanted to have a sustainable business that's sort of sustainable by demand but we understand that there are limitations on that and no matter what we do we're going to be having an impact and some of that would be negative so for us it's about minimizing that as much as possible i think the biggest one for us is transport so you know while we do a lot on say the likes of packaging and um, our products by nature we kind of encourage people to buy less and buy better so we're not really about you know getting those giant transactions and um, that's not really what we want to do we're not really about using tricks to get you to buy stuff that you don't need we would rather you've bought you know as you need it and we sell you know we take away packaging where it can be removed so most of the soap for example that we sell has no packaging because soap doesn't really need packaging you know we might pop it in a paper bag and that's really as much as much as it needs it doesn't need to be in an elaborate clamshell um, package or anything like it but i would say transport is the hardest one so a lot of our um we we work with um dpd and dhl and they do really great work in this area dhl in particular would be or dpd in particular here in ireland would be leading the way i feel they have a very strong sustainability program and um, they're very strong in electric vehicles and biodiesel things like that but they're still a transport company you know they're still putting goods into trucks and driving them up and down the country and a lot of those trucks are still diesel and petrol and um, dhl as well we, we we use the green offsetting with dhl they're really progressive as well but they're still filling up airplanes and sending them around the world so i think transport is the hardest one to get right and um, i think as an e-commerce business we're we're part of that chain whether you know whether we're entirely comfortable with it or not um, and we just have to minimize it like i'll give you a good example of needless stuff that i see happening i ordered not that long ago from a big retailer here in ireland a uh, big very prominent very successful very good retailer uh, happens to have a head of sustainability so they are not you know they're not new to this space um, i ordered some skincare products it came in two separate deliveries 
One delivery was a tiny little, uh, tiny little bottle, uh, something else in a huge big box and then filled with air pillows. And for me, the problem in that is the plastic, but also the fact that they're shipping a, an empty box. So they're taking up volume in those trucks that mm. could have been used for other packages. And it was completely needless. You know, even to use the same box, if you cut it down, reduce the size, you would have shipped, you would have shipped it with all that empty space. But then the real, uh, the real kick of that order was, you know, a couple of days later, I got the rest of my order, which was another small skincare product in like a fluorescent pink plastic bubble wrap envelope. You know, to yeah. me, all of that was unnecessary. That could have gone in a, in a padded paper envelope. They do the same job. They're about the same price. Um, it just wasn't necessary. So for me, I think a lot of, we, we can make a lot of changes today. Every company can make a lot of changes that will lessen it, but it's never going to lessen it completely. We're never going to be totally sustainable, if I'm honest. Yeah, I definitely think, um, like what you said, with half of an order coming out and then the other rest of your order go in, it doesn't make any sense. But I think sometimes with businesses, they think, oh, well, they want their order as quick as possible. So let's just yeah. send half and then send half later. Whereas when you're taking that question away from the customer before you've even asked it, you've made that and like they've annoyed you by sending it two separate things because if you're aware of the, you know, the implications of sending out two lorries and sending out two boxes, it's like, well, I'd much rather wait three extra days mm -hmm. and get it all together. Um, but again, I think that second shipment, you know, where did that, where did that cost go? Where did the, you know, I have no doubt that the profitability of my order vanished in sending that second shipment because you're yeah. sending a bottle that was worked maybe six or seven euro if even, and you're sending it out in the national post. So look, they'd be getting a better price than me, but they're still going to be paying a couple of euro for that shipment. So where did the margin go? How do they make money on my transaction? And for me, that's not that's not sustainable. That's just kind of acquiring customers at all costs. It, yeah. it is, and also this is an interesting. Um, sort of seems paradoxical as well. Like what I order from Amazon Prime, I try not to order from Amazon, but I do have a Prime membership, and I bought a, a mouth guard and hand wraps on Sunday, and the hand wraps came on Monday, and the mouth guard just came today. And obviously, if you know the, the literally like this big, so mm. and they came in two separate cardboard boxes. And the consumer is also like that incessant demand for convenience and speed. Mm. There's sort of a, like a clash. Um, and I would have been happy to to wait, you know, for both together. But at the end of the day, when you sign up for a Prime membership, you almost expect things next day. So I wonder whether consumers need to rein back that expert. I don't think it's going to happen, but it will be interesting in the future yeah. if they modify the behavior. It's a bit like, I think, putting the genie back in the bottle. It's hard to do. Uh, it's not actually as severe here in Ireland today as it is in the likes of the UK. I, I know a lot of Irish-based um, brands that have opened up fulfillment in the UK market so that they could compete locally with an next-day delivery offering that they couldn't do from Ireland, even pre, definitely couldn't do it now, but even pre-Brexit, that they couldn't compete with that because they were maybe a 48-hour service and their yeah. local consumers in the UK were, were getting them on that extra day. It's not as intense here in Ireland up to now, but as you know, Amazon are building a fulfillment center here. So we will have the likes of Prime here probably by early next year. And yeah. I think that culturally might change it. I hope it doesn't. You know, I don't have a problem with Amazon per se. A lot of businesses work on Amazon. Um, you know, I think there's space for everybody. 
Um, but at the same time, like we don't offer next day delivery as a service. You cannot pay extra to have next day delivery. Now, I would say probably 80% of our deliveries are delivered next day because, you know, we want to be efficient. We want to keep the orders moving through. We want to, we want to get them through. We use DPD, the very reliable next day service. But we don't intentionally offer it as a service because, again, I think it's building that expectation that this is somehow needed or necessary. And I think there's very few things that you need to buy online that you actually must have the next day. And none that I can think of that you need to have in four hours or whatever you can get over in the likes of London at the moment. Yeah. It's uh... well, I, I did I did need the hand drops for my box and stuff, and that's why I made it today. You could do a bit of bare knuckle, no? No, uh, exactly. Oh, I, I had to escape. Barry Carrigan was trying to fight me when he was drunk in Dublin, so <laughs> I didn't believe that. Um. Anyway, another eco-friendly based question. Um. Do you think some companies take advantage of the eco status just for boost uh, for a boost in the market? And do you reckon there's some way we could try and stop them from doing that? Uh, I do, and I think look if we're honest, I think we all do it to a point. Yeah. Um, so like it's it's a, it can be a fine line sometimes between what's greenwashing and what isn't. So I I have um. So I have a lot of feelings about this and thoughts about it. I think that part of me would feel, look, it doesn't matter if they're doing something that's positive. It's a step. We're all on a journey as individuals or as companies. We're all on a journey in terms of uh, being more um, ecologically conscious and um, about being more active in this space. So if if somebody is putting a recycling bin into their canteen and that's a big step for them, I would be slow to knock it. Um, at the same time, you know, individual actions are only a very small part of a very big problem. So, and I, and I have no illusions about that. Like we would position ourselves and feel that our brand is about making small, positive um, changes in your everyday life. That's our space. That's where we want to be. We're not about masses of campaigning. We're not about pushing a message down our customer's throat. It's not that we don't think that message is important because we do. We just feel that that's not where our brand should be or, or needs to be. So I would say, yeah, and sometimes I think we should be positive about it. We should applaud companies. We should say, well done. What's your next step? I think customers are becoming more and more and consumers are becoming more and more aware and being more and more demanding. I think that's important. So if a company says, you know, we're planting trees. Well, OK, who are you planting trees with? Why are you planting trees? What's the benefit of that? You know, is this audited activity or is this you know, is this a tree that was planted somewhere and never returned to, and it's probably dead a week later. So I think we we have to get a bit deeper about it. A lot of it is kind of superficial, and we'll get deeper by challenging some of these things. And look, we can we're all open to being challenged. I can be challenged by having a business that's a sustainable business, but yet we send things out in a van, um, that's been delivered to your home. So like all, all of this can be challenged. I I think a lot of the big companies have the power. To make the biggest change so even if they're superficial changes today you know if a if a big company does something small that can have a massive impact compared to what a small company like mine if we do something mm -hmm. big so I, i'm slow to knock anything at the same time i think we should all have our bullshit detectors set on high and we should gently ask for backups of things I really respect how pragmatic and honest you've been about the 
the the consumer side as well of the business. Like you haven't just came on and like you said, just bullshit us and say you're saving the world. Like you're right, there is a, a trade off, right? Like any type of consuming is ultimately not necessarily going to be eco-friendly so the only thing we can do is try to mitigate this as much as possible and be a bit more conscious so yeah i really respect the fact that you've been honest about that i just wanted to say as well from looking at your um from looking at your website like you said you're not ramming things down people's throats it's not becoming this dark and terrible i mean it is dark and terrible what's going on with the world and climate change and things like that however the 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 designer the thing and it's sometimes i think people look at like buying a vegan soap or something it's a luxury or it's either going to be a luxury or it's going to be a bit like you're going to smell like grass do you know what i mean there's no there's never really an in-between but like looking at looking at your website it's like it's kind of refreshing in a way and to also see it's really affordable like it's not going on to Marks and Spencer's and finding a biodegradable face wash that's going to cost you £33. It, not that that's a bad thing, but making those things affordable and accessible to people is probably the best thing you can do because nobody wants to buy something that's like really, really expensive. So then it's not accessible to everyone. Yeah, exactly. And nobody wants to feel bad about what they're buying. Oh, of um, course not. I think products have come a long way. You know, a lot of the products that we sell a couple of years ago might have been a bit more hard work. But product development has come, come on in leaps and bounds. And we don't think any product should be hard. Um, the products that we sell should be beautiful. They should be functional. They should be nice. They should smell good. They should work first and then be sustainable and eco-friendly and natural and all those second. And we're, there's so many great products out there. We're able, to, we're able to marry the two with everything that we sell, thankfully. Awesome, awesome, very educational. But back to the technical questions. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna go look at some candles. <laughs> so, James, three pieces of software I like to ask all um, econ founders this that you couldn't live without for your store. What are they? Um, that includes platforms, right. Yeah, okay, I'll let you include platforms. Maybe that well, can like be I have to say cool. Shopify number one. You know, Shopify for me, we, we couldn't run our store as we do without it. And so many of the apps that we use are take we would we would need to have people, people we can't afford today. So that that's one, right? Shopify is probably number one. Um what would I say on the rest? There's so many. Like we use um we use obviously all the google suite for everything so i'm gone from being a big company microsoft man um to now having no microsoft nearly on my computer by the computer itself um so things like you know gmail google docs google sheets we use these for everything i'm using them i'm using them all day every day i couldn't operate um without having all of that kind of at my fingertips i suppose yeah and the other one is probably i would have said photoshop not so long ago um, and we use Photoshop a lot. We we outsource um, we outsource most of our image processing, and I'm very lucky in that my my sister in law is a photographer, she's a brilliant photographer, a baby photographer. So during lockdown, she couldn't get near any babies, so I was able to give her my baby and fairly and get her to take loads of photos for me. But we do the actual image processing, and um, we outsource that. So all of that would obviously be done in Photoshop and images 
a core, uh, we don't have a physical store, you can't come in to smell our product. So our pictures have to work really hard for us. Um, they have to look really good. They have to give you a sense of the product. And it's something mm. we put a big focus on. So I would say Photoshop, within the old me, and now, to be honest, I use Canva more than I use Photoshop now. It's cheap. I thought it was a bit of a novelty at first, and I'm actually amazed at how, what you can do with it and how easy it is yeah. compared to having done so many long, painful courses in Photoshop and InDesign over the years. I, I, I now find myself using Canva because it's quick. It's incredible. It really is. We don't use it personally, but that's what you um, think. <laughs> yeah, uh, some of the, the Instagram. <laughs> so, some of the designers have told me the same thing. Essentially, that it, it's just been incredible. Like how much it's developed over the years. I remember when I first used it, it basically was just like drag and drop, put something there, and that was the extent of it. But now, if it, pretty competent tool it's really good it's strong like the like the background remover tool it's actually spot on 99 of the time and, and the other app i use all the time which is not really for my business other than to keep me keep me sane uh when things get very busy is tiktok i'm i'm a bit of a tiktok oh, addict yes. i'm a lurker uh and i, I love, love it. TikTok. It's, it's where i go when i need to switch my brain off i keep trying to get adam on tiktok i was like we need to make like a tiktok dance video Think I think I saw Adam dancing in his dressing gown recently. I, I, I've, I've, been, I've been dancing already. I always do a little dance Friday morning to get everyone ready to make me rich. <laughs> I'll get it on TikTok tomorrow. That sounds yeah, like definitely not. No, in the Slack channel is the amount you'll get off me or LinkedIn. But <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Um, so on a round up, uh, what would your advice be to new founders in the e-commerce space? Oh, um, you might have to come back and ask me that in another year. You know, we're still in the we're still in the storming phase, I suppose. I would say do it, just do it. Um, you're never going to be ready. You're never going to be ready. Like it took, it literally took a, a global pandemic and being off, not off work, but working from home because of that to give me the space give myself the kick to do it um, and I should have done it I should have done it sooner so I would say just do it you'll never be ready you know we launched with a fraction of the products we have now we didn't have you know the budget for things like a developer you know these things are not a barrier anymore and um, we were able to build a good site and we were able to do it from our own resources for the most part and um, we've been able to grow it Um, you know ask me again in a few years where we're at um, it's it's very busy. It's a lot of work. You will have to put in the grind, but it's the same as that in any business. But it's it's massively fulfilling. You know, it, it really is like having your own baby because you're doing it from the beginning. I've come from working in 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 big companies where you're you're one cog in a big operation, and that can be very fulfilling, and um, because you can really do things that are transformational. But this has been a lovely change. I have to say as well, it's also nice to be you know the master of more of your destiny and to be able to just do things and execute things and be agile about things and sometimes you'll make a mess of that but it's quite <laughs> easy it's quite easy to reverse course as well so i would say just do it um the other thing i'd say is to watch your numbers so you know it's very easy to get carried away with sales and turnover and how much you're selling but if, if that's not profitable you're at nothing so be careful of what your you know know your margins before you go into it so don't just look at a 
a product category because you're interested in it or you like it. There has to be margin in it. There has mm -hmm. to be space for you, either space to do what everyone else is doing or space to do something different and, and carve out a, a bit of the market for you. But yeah, my biggest advice would be just do it, you know, even do it small, do it part time. You can set up a shop by shop in a couple of hours. As I said, don't do what I'm doing, right? It's for me. <laughs> but uh, you can set it up in a couple of hours. So do it and try it, play around with it. Um, if it doesn't work, close it down, try it again. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Great advice. Um, tons of knowledge across multiple areas. Really appreciate your time, James. If anyone Thank wants you. to find out, no, no, it's a pleasure, really. Um, if anyone wants to find out more about Fairly, I'm guessing the website, fairly.ie. And how can people contact you? LinkedIn is the best. Sure, you'll find me on LinkedIn. You'll find us on all the socials um, at This Is Fairly. You'll find me on Twitter at James Byrne. Um, yeah, just search for Fairly. You'll find it. You'll probably misspell it, and that's okay. You'll probably still find us. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. We're going to end this now. If anyone has any questions for James, just drop them in the comments, and I'm sure he'll get back to you. But James, thanks once again for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Adam. Thanks, Leah. Cheers. Bye.